when we turn into the scriptures, we often want to look at the gospels, the four gospels, three synoptics and John. And I wonder how many people here have heard of the fifth gospel. Isaiah 53 is often described as the fifth gospel, and it describes the suffering servant, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we look at the gospels, we look at Isaiah 53, and we see that Jesus is our suffering servant. And I wonder if we looked back into the Old Testament, if we could find someone who most accurately portrays our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as that servant. Wouldn't be David, right? Because he's, what, King David. The one character that we often overlook is Joseph. And maybe it's because He's often used as a children's story, the coat of many colors, and so forth. But Joseph was a slave. And yet it says the Lord was with him. In our modern minds, we often don't understand or don't have this in our mind what slavery is. I want, to tur- I want you to turn to uh, an odd passage, but anyway, it's near the end of all time. It's the destruction of Babylon, uh, Babylonia, uh, the, and that is found in Revelation 18.11. Babylon is destroyed, and it's quite interesting what the people are, what the merchants are saying. Revelation 18.11. It looks like people are going shopping in the olden days. And the merchants of the earth wept and mourned over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple and silk uh, and scarlet and every kind of citrus wood and every article of ivory and every article made from every costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and the livestock, cattle and sheep and cargoes, uh, sorry, yeah, cargoes of horses and chariots and slaves and human lives. Slavery has existed from the beginning of time, and it will go on till the end of time, until Christ brings an end to it. Slavery. It's hard for us to understand what it's all about. And a few hundred years ago, uh, Christians often had three books on their shelves, a Bible, Pilgrim's Progress, and another book entitled The uh, Suffering in Africa. And you can actually go up on Amazon, you can buy the book Suffering in Africa, and this is the synopsis of that book. It is about 
uh, sh- a shipwreck off the shore of coast of North Africa in August of 1815. James Riley and his crew had no idea of the trials awaiting them as they gathered their, their beached belongings. They would be captured by a band of nomadic Arabs, herded across the Sahara Desert, beaten, forced to witness astounding brutality, sold into slavery, and starved. Riley watched most of his crew die one by one, killed off by cruelty. His own weight dropped from 240 pounds to a mere 90 at his rescue. Slavery. It always existed. Slavery. And we think of Philippians chapter 2. Jesus took on the servant and died on the cross. He lived in this, he ministered for three years. He was betrayed by his own people, beaten, crucified. When we look at this world, slavery is very real. There is a demonic book that's out right now. It's called 1619. A very, very uh, deceptive book because it tries to talk about slavery and they have no idea what they're talking about. Because in 18, sorry, 1618, slavery was widespread. And if we looked at where the slaves came from, Basically, they came from tribes. One tribe was more powerful than the other. They were either killed or they were sold into slavery. And so when ships came from Europe into Africa, of course, we have one tribe who was weaker than the other, and they were sold as slaves. Again, the person who was selling the slaves were, of course, a combating tribe. So blacks were selling blacks. And that was the way it was around the world. Slavery. Joseph's brothers sold. And of course, uh, not very many were shipped to North America because there weren't very many people there in 1618. But as the population grew, the slave trade increased. But when we came, when people came to North America, there were tribes, there was war. And the stronger tribe, beat down the smaller one, and they were sold as slaves. Harold Zavitz gave me a book on Lambton County. And uh, I found out that the, Inuit, the, the native people here in Lambton County a few hundred years ago wiped out the tribe that was here, and they took over Lambton County. Well, that's just the way it is. And I think most of you were in school when they taught about the Aztecs and Mayans. They were not nice people because the slaves were used as what? human sacrifices. Most people don't realize that between 1600 and 1900, one million white people were sold as slaves. Nobody escaped slavery. A lot of people want to have a seaside uh, hotel or, or home. Not a good place to have it because pirates would come and take you away as slaves. So you always wanted to be inland where there's lots of people. Slavery, very, very real and very unpleasant and even deadly. Now, we find here uh, the story of Joseph begins at chapter 37 in Genesis. So if you can turn to chapter 37, 
we find that Joseph is running into problems with his brothers. Now, his brothers are debating, should we kill him? Should we sell him as a slave? The bottom line is this, if they kill him, he's dead right away. If they sell him as a slave, he's going to be dead in a few years anyway. At least that's what they thought. Now, what in the world, why in the world were his brothers so angry? Well, when we get angry, it's because of some reason. And often, and we read here, uh, there's, there's a lot of narrative going on here from chapter 37 onwards. But primarily, we can link the anger of his brothers to the last commandment, or envy. And so we find that there is a debate raging with uh, his brothers. Well, let's begin our look at Joseph's life really from an earthly perspective. Now, remember, as we're reading through Joseph, there's two things that are always connected. And uh, Joseph was sold as a slave, but the Lord was with him. He's in prison, but the Lord was with him. They're always connected. So as we begin our reading of uh, Joseph in 37, we find that Joseph, from an earthly perspective, is getting into trouble for three specific reasons. Are they his problems? No, I don't think so. His first reason for getting in trouble, we could probably say it's Jacob's problem. Because Jacob loved Rachel, and Benjamin, when he was born, Rachel died, and so Jacob had a special part in his heart for Joseph. And of course, he was so special, Jacob gave him a coat of many colors. And of course, he was always with Jacob. That was number one. Number two was that Jacob put a teenager in charge of his older brothers. Now, I've never had brothers. But I do know, and I've heard stories, of a younger brother doing something to an older brother, and he soon regretted it. But Jacob put him in charge. Now, this probably isn't, uh, I would say, from what we read here, it's probably not Jacob's problem because we learn that Joseph had the gift of administration. And we read about that wherever he went. So he was sold into slavery, but he had the gift of of administration. The Spirit was upon him. Now, we often forget that the Spirit of God came upon people for various and different reasons. And we often think of, oh, you know, the healing, uh, Exodus, the miracles. But we often forget that the Lord came upon the craftsmen to build the tabernacle, right? uh, uh, Moses, of course, is in the wilderness, and he's trying to manage a million or millions of people. He's trying to solve their problems as a judge. And so the Lord says, bring 70 men. The Spirit of God came upon them, and they were managing the children of Israel in the wilderness, kind of a good illustration of deacons, how they're given the gift of administration. But again, 
not a good thing for a younger guy to look after the old guys. And there's one more thing, and we all remember what that was, and that was Joseph had dreams. This could be part of his problem, but probably God's providence in this case. So Joseph had a dream. In fact, he had two dreams. The first dream was his brothers were going to bow down. The second dream not only was his brothers, but Jacob and his wives would be bowing down to Joseph. So there's three problems that were uh, causing Jake Joseph to get into trouble. Now, we have to remember that um, by the time that these dreams are fulfilled, it's going to be decades into the future. But what does it say in verse, uh, verse 11 of 37? kind of reminds you a little bit of, of, of uh, what Mary said. But in verse 11 it says, uh, But his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So there we have it, uh, three things, uh, Joseph's coat, his looking after old, his older brothers, and his dreams. The challenge for Joseph will be now the anger that's building up within his brothers. What's going to happen to him? He probably didn't see it coming but the brothers were thinking. They were annoyed with him. They were angry with him. And we read in chapter um, 37, verse 26, we find brother, the brothers were debating amongst themselves um, what should they do. And Judah said, What shall we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's uh, sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. So we have to realize that he's going to be sold into slavery, and there's no, basically, they could kill him, and he's dead right away, sold as slave, and a few years he's probably going to be dead anyway. As you read further on, what are the brothers doing? Now, one of the big problems is, is group think. Because they all gather together, they were all trying to do the same thing, and it's not a good thing when a group gets together and they decide to do an evil thing because it doesn't, go, it doesn't work well for anybody, and they often regret it. However, what do we find the brothers doing? They're eating. Think about the worst sin you've ever committed. You know you have to repent. You know you have to tell somebody you're sorry. You're going to go to the fridge and have ice cream, right? The first thing that goes is your stomach. And they don't, they, they're, they're completely free from guilt. They're eating. They're having supper. 
And they still have to go back to Jacob and tell him, lie to him that his beloved son is dead. Sin, I guess. What does the scripture say? We can, our heart can become seared over as with a hot iron when we are not concerned about our sin. So in chapter 37, verse 31, we find that, yes, his brothers and the daughters, we only know the name of one, but it says daughters, are now with Jacob trying to comfort him because they took the coat of many colors, um, they put goat's blood on it, and Jacob says, yes, this is my son's coat. A silly question. Um, and so that's where uh, we leave Jacob. He is brokenhearted, all because of what his older sons did, really, to him. And now Joseph is on his own. He is now a slave. He is taken by the Ishmaelites and sent to Egypt, and he's sold to Potiphar. And yet, it says the Lord was with him. And Potiphar notices something special about Joseph, and that gets him into trouble again. Potiphar notice is uh, Joseph has the gift of administration. Now, now not only is the spirit upon Joseph that he has the gift of administration, but the others are noticing that that's the gift as well, that he has the gift of administration. And Potiphar is relieved of all of his trials. He doesn't have to worry about anything. I don't know what he did. He couldn't go water skiing. Maybe he had a uh, another house on, on the Nile. We don't know what he was doing, but he didn't have to worry about anything. And Joseph managed the whole works. Now, as you read through that passage of Scripture, you find out that Joseph notices he's getting into trouble with Potiphar's wife, and he's doing something about it. He never goes into the house when she's there alone. But that doesn't mean she's not going to be planning something. Now, a lot of you have heard all about the, uh, the school shootings and such, the mass killings. Uh, Jordan Peterson uh, analyzed these uh, mass shootings by young, by young men, and he said these young men did not do it at the spur of the moment. It took them weeks and months to plan to get into that mindset to do something like that. They just simply don't do it. It, it, it takes a long time. And guess what? We have Potiphar's wife. Does she have to do anything? No, Joseph's doing it all. She has weeks, months to plan. The idle hands are the what? That's right. So she planned, she schemed. And somehow, some way, he wasn't going to go into the house when she was there all by himself, and yet he goes in, and how she got him in there, we have no idea. But he is in the house. He says no. And this is the verse that is so powerful. 
He is talking to Potiphar's wife, but he is also talking to us. Look at chapter 39 at the end of verse 9. Chapter 39, the end of verse 9. We talk about Joseph being the servant like Christ. This is what Joseph says. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? When we were young, I mean, my wife and I, when we were young, we were told by parents, don't have sex before marriage because you could get pregnant, you could get uh, disease, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. And, but what's Joseph's reason not to do that? How can I do a wicked thing and dishonor God? has nothing to do with anything other than sinning against our Heavenly Father. And Joseph said, no. Well, isn't it interesting that Joseph gets in trouble again because of his coat. His brothers see him approaching. They throw him into a cistern. They saw the coat. And now he says, no to Potiphar's wife. He runs out, and the Potiphar wife has his cloak. And if you read carefully, she also brings up the race card. This Hebrew, not the Egyptian, this Hebrew tried to attack me, taking advantage of me, making fun of me. What is the consequence of that? The consequence of keeping yourself holy and pure before God. What did Potiphar do? He threw him into the king's prison. That was death row. What else could he do? Say his wife was lying. He had this great administer. Now he's got to get back to work. But he had to throw him into prison into the king's prison. And what does it say? And the Lord was with him. We learn that, I guess you could call in our modern language, the warden noticed Joseph had the gift of administration. And he put him in charge of the prison. And it was working well. I don't know what the warden was doing at that point, but he didn't have to worry about the prison anymore. Because Joseph was administering everything that needed to be done. And the Lord was with him. And it seems to be a contradiction. We think about slavery. We think about hard times in this world. And yet, the Lord is with those who call upon his name. When we sin, why do we sin? Adam and Eve sinned so that they would, what? 
to know the difference between good and evil. The most popular sin of David was he wanted Bathsheba. Ananias and Sapphira, they sinned. They wanted to tell everybody that they were giving all this money to the church and they weren't. How can I do such a thing and dishonor God? That is what Joseph had in his heart. We could, re- we could t- say that in another way. Uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. Jesus said, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's a positive way of saying that. Uh, Galatians talks about how we will walk by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. We'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. But it's all in honoring our God. And we see Joseph. More than, I believe, more than any. And you can, you can find another one. If you find another one, great. But I think Joseph demonstrates that image of the servant that we see in Christ Jesus our Lord more than any other human being. Now, it took a couple of hours to do this. I decided to look at all of the words, all the times that slave was used in the New Testament. And so I was looking through there, and the parables, Jesus is always, in his parables, he's always talking about slaves. Well, of course, there were slaves everywhere. And we can think of times where he healed slaves. But that's just the way it was. I think there's a book in the New Testament that deals only with a slave, right? What's that book called? Philemon, right? Now, after I did that, I thought, wow, look at all these words, slaves. There's, is there another word there that is like slave, but I'm not getting it? And I thought to myself, yeah, servant. Slave, servant. So I did that same thing. And to my surprise, there was a difference. In the New American Standard, as I'm going through this, when Jesus is talking to, about his disciples, when he's talking to you and me, he, is not, he doesn't talk to us as a slave. What he says, we are his servants. Now, you can study that a little bit if you want. We don't have time to note the difference between one or the other. But there is one verse which is quite amazing. And you can turn to it, John fifteen fifteen, which is quite amazing. John 15, 15. And this is what it says. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. That is just absolutely awesome. That we are not a slave, not a servant, but we're his friend. 
we are in him. Joseph was a slave, and the Lord was with him. Christ, our suffering servant, died and rose from the grave so that we could be bought back, redeemed by his blood. That we would not simply be his servant, but his friend. I want to end with a wonderful passage. And it's the first chapter of Ephesians, a few verses there. So listen if you can. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. We are more than servants. We are his friend, bought by the blood of Christ. And when this life is over, Christ will present us to the Father, For he has bought us with his blood, and he will take us into his kingdom, present us to his Father. For the Father has reached out to us and opened our minds, our lives, our will to Christ Jesus. What a blessed day that would be. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the work of your Son that great servant. We thank you for the image, uh, the words coming to us down from, from Joseph. Help us to keep that in mind, that we want to honor you always, to turn away from sin. But we know that we still need our Redeemer, for we fall and we turn away so easily. Keep our minds fixed on, on Christ this week and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.